Welcome to the Functional Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Holt. I'm a functional medicine nutritionist with a feisty attitude in over a decade of clinical experience. I work with women all over the world through my online programs, and I'm also the founder of the Functional Nutrition Academy, a 12-month practitioner mentorship where I help other nutrition pros level up with functional medicine methodologies. I've got a bone to pick with diet culture and the conventional healthcare model that are both systematically failing so many of us. Creating a new model is my life's work, and this is what the show's all about. Please keep in mind this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or treatment. If you like what you hear today, I'd love for you to subscribe, leave a review in iTunes, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Thanks for joining me. Now let's dive deep. This episode is brought to you by our show sponsor, Organifi. If you're interested in hormonal health, I suggest you check out their Harmony Blend. It was specifically designed for PMS support to help balance out female hormones and to give you a little energy boost with the adaptogenic herbs that they use like Shatavari and Maca. So it's a cacao and Maca blend. I happen to love those two flavors together. So tasty. Uh, We also have ginger and turmeric added to the mix. So it's kind of like a spicy treat. Chase tree berries also featured, which is an herb that has been long shown to support female hormones. So I highly recommend that product. It's really tasty. You could also look into their gold powder, one of their best sellers. That's a turmeric ginger blend. Both are anti-inflammatory. And listen, menstruation, having a period is a naturally inflammatory process. And so if you're experiencing wonkiness during those times of the month, uh, it's not terribly uncommon, especially if you have underlying inflammatory stuff going on. It kind of just throws a little bit of gasoline on the fire. So doing anti-inflammatories during your period is a smart bet. Turmeric and ginger are two things that I highly recommend. Uh, This product, Gold, also has lemon balm and magnesium. Both of those are calming and soothing and can really, I mean, I drink it all the time, not just when I'm on my period, but it's a really good tool if you do have PMS symptoms. Both of these blends, the Harmony and the Gold, are great for post-meal sweet treats. You mix a little bit with either hot water. I personally like it with non-dairy milk. And uh, if you're somebody who has a sweet tooth, check them out. Head to Organifi.com forward slash funk. So that's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash funk or use code funk to save you 20% on any of your orders. And shout out to show sponsor Element. I'm so pumped to hear that you guys are digging this stuff. I knew you would. It's so freaking tasty. I did get a question about sodium. Somebody asked if I was concerned with the sodium content and the answer is not at all. In fact, that's why I sought out Element as my electrolyte drink of choice. Active athletes, especially during hot weather, can lose up to seven grams of sodium per day just through sweat alone. And in order to replete that, to replace that, we need both water 
and sodium so we can reestablish appropriate and proper hydration. Listen, it's summer here in New Hampshire. It's hot. I'm active. I like to do hot yoga. Honestly, on my hot yoga days, I actually double down on Element. I know many of you are active as well. So this is something that we really should be mindful of. Salt has been villainized. It's not the bad guy. We need salt. We need minerals. We need electrolytes. And if you want to do it in a yummy way, Element is your thing. So right now Element is offering my listeners a free sample pack with any purchase. So that's eight packets for free with any Element order. It's a great way to try the flavor, see what you like. And you can get it at drinkelement.com forward slash funk. The deal is only available through my link. You got to go to D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com forward slash funk. You also get no questions asked refund. So try it risk-free. You're going to love it. Hello, my friends. Today is going to be part three of the Understanding Autoimmunity series. I hope this is shedding some light on this very confusing and what Dr. Emeryn Mayer would describe as bewildering topic. Uh, This is the first podcast I'm recording after being back from vacation. Scott and I went to the Azores. It was our second time there. We love it. Um, We did that for our 10-year anniversary. So shout out to Scott Holt for holding it down for 10 years. I, uh, it's quite something not to sound too, too sappy, but it is quite something to still, um, be relatively enamored with, uh, my number one guy after all these years. So I'm ready. I'm recharged. And we're going to tuck into today's topic, which is what actually sets the stage for autoimmunity. So we've discussed that autoimmune disease is on the rise. Autoimmunity is more prevalent than cancer. The current statistics here in 2022 uh, are that one in 12 women will be diagnosed with an autoimmune disease in her lifetime and one out of 24 men. A recent uh, systematic review identified a 19% increase per year in incidence and prevalence of autoimmune disease in the past 30 years. So not good stuff, not great stats. Um, and you've seen this sort of mirrored, uh, most likely in TV commercials for autoimmunity. I mean, they've absolutely exploded. We're seeing, um, commercials for psoriasis, IBD, RA, uh, medicine. Um, so today's episode is really going to attempt to answer the question why we're going to tuck into identifying your own unique root cause. Um, But before we do that, I want to lay the groundwork and lay the foundation so folks can understand, like, why is this happening? Um, And in understanding why it's happening, we may feel a little less like a sitting duck. And if you've been diagnosed with an autoimmune illness, you can start to understand your own unique story. Um, And if you haven't, but you suspect it, you might start to understand ways to prevent it, especially in your kiddos. Um, This is not just a genetics game, Um, meaning that a lot of us do carry genes for autoimmunity, but it doesn't necessarily mean that those genes are going to be expressed. And we have a tremendous amount of control over whether or not they do. And we absolutely have to look to our environment, to the world that we're living in, to how we're living in that world. we are seeing an increase in autoimmunity in children. So 
prevalence of asthma, hay fever, eczema doubled um, from 1979 to 1991. The number of children who have eczema has risen. One in five kiddos are now affected by eczema. Um, that usually is associated with some type of allergy. So the immune system is dysregulated. The prevalence of type one diabetes, which is an autoimmune condition in children is growing. So it's not, it's not just us that we've got to be concerned about, but it is the, the next generation, especially with these stats being what they are. And as we discussed in the past couple of episodes, conventional medicine doesn't really have a very consistent understanding of what causes autoimmunity. Um, if you are one of the lucky ones to actually get a diagnosis, that's kind of where conventional medicine comes in. It's like, you have this. It's very good at saying you have this. It's not so good at asking why you have it. So I want to attempt to explain what sets the stage for autoimmunity, why it's such an exploding problem. And if you remember, autoimmunity is essentially like the, the working definition, our, our understanding of what autoimmunity is, is that the body makes a mistake and it attacks your own tissue, your own healthy cells. So understanding that, you know, especially the past two episodes, you're like, yikes, that was kind of scary. So it can leave you feeling like a sitting duck, like you're just waiting around for your immune system to just kind of turn on a dime. But I don't believe that the body makes mistakes. I think that the body is always seeking homeostasis. I think that the body has an extraordinary ability to adapt. So if the immune system is making mistakes, quote unquote, then we have to ask why. Where are those directions coming from? Who's giving the immune system the directions? And in order to answer that question, to start to gather up the answer to that question, we have to swim upstream and downstream. There are so many contributing factors to autoimmunity and why it's becoming so increasingly prevalent in our modern day world. We have to look to the microbiome. We cannot uh, separate our microbiome from our immune system. So we'll get into that today. Barrier breakdown. We talked about innate immunity it has so much to do with our barriers. So if the barriers start to break down, Houston, we have a problem. Uh, chemical exposure and environmental toxicants being essentially like washed in toxicants on a daily basis can absolutely dysregulate our immune system and different factions of the immune system. You know, I, it's like, I'm not like a lunatic about fragrance and cleaning supplies and stuff like this just for the sake of doing it. It's because it actually causes problems to our immune system. Uh, my mom was, my mom and uh, my stepdad were here watching Hattie while Scott and I were away and she got a haircut and whatever products the uh, people at the salon used. I'm like, it's all I could smell. Like she's been out of my house for four days and it's still all I can smell every time I walk into the bathroom. Like this shit is toxic. And if we're like starting to unpack, well, geez, why is everybody ending up with an autoimmune condition? We have to look at the way that we're living our lives, including the products that we're using day in and day out. Um, our diet cannot be overlooked. Our industrialized modern diet is a big one. So we'll get into that quite a lot. Uh, and then 
One thing that I think I'm actually going to save this for its own episode because um, I just have so much to say about it for the sake of time. We won't get into it too much, but do understand that childhood traumatic stress in ACEs or adverse childhood experiences can absolutely contribute to uh, autoimmune susceptibility. There is quite a lot of, of research whoops, to back this up. Um, there's one that I'll link up in the show notes, the cumulative childhood stress in autoimmune disease in adults, which shows that childhood traumatic stress increases the likelihood of hospitalization with a diagnosed autoimmune disease decades into adulthood. So if you experience trauma, if you experience adverse childhood experiences, the more of them, and you can actually go online and take an ACE, uh, get your ACE score. You can take a an online quiz to, to figure it out, uh, the more that you have, the more likely you will end up with autoimmunity. Um, Delisa Fairweather is a PhD. She's the associate professor of toxicology, uh, toxicology at the John Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health in Mayo Clinic. And she's one of the leading experts on women and autoimmune disorders. And she co-authored a landmark study. In this study looked at over 15,000 adults. They had enrolled in the um, Kaiser CDC study on adverse childhood experiences back in uh, 1995. And so essentially what she did is looked at ACE studies and medical records to see if there's a relationship between having an adverse childhood experience and later being diagnosed with autoimmunity. And she said that the relationship between these two things, especially in women, was so striking that we feared no one would believe our numbers. We found that a remarkable disproportionate number of individuals who had experienced childhood adversity were later hospitalized for an autoimmune condition. And a disproportionate number of these individuals were women. The more childhood adversity a woman had, the higher her risk became and the more likely she was to end up in a hospital at some point in her adult life in order to be treated for an autoimmune condition. So we're going to talk more about uh, our environment in terms of foods, chemicals, what's in impacting our microbiome, but I really want to stick a pin in this so we can come back to this because this is not to be overlooked. And I've been talking about this for years. Um, there's a new book that Donna Jackson Nakazawa wrote called Girls on the Brink, and she really looks at uh, toxic childhood stress, and she refers to what we're living in now as a toxic era for girls, whether it's smartphone, social media, perfectionism is actually on the rise. And so we have to have a deep understanding of this to perhaps unpack our own health history and maybe why we ended up where we ended up, but also to look ahead, like I said, to the future generations, to our kiddos and say, shit, how do we prevent this from happening? Um, aside from trauma in childhood, aside from adverse childhood experiences, what we know with certainty is that the way that we're living our life, modern day stressors absolutely without question suppress the immune system. And I have talked about this, I've probably in at least 20 episodes of the Functional Nutrition Podcast. So stress is a big one that we have to pay attention to because it will dramatically impact our immune system. So let's get into it. Uh, a very key concept to understand is that I'm going to use a Gabor Mate quote. 
Our immune system does not exist in isolation from daily experience, meaning if we want to understand our immune system, if we want to support our immune system, if we want to understand why our immune system became so dysregulated that it started to attack our own self-tissue, we have to look at, drumroll please, our daily experience. So there is a field of study that I talk about all the time called psychoneuroimmunology, which is essentially the science and the study of the interactions of the mind and the body, the indissoluble unity of emotions and physiology. So cool. So this is looking at the psyche, our mind, our thoughts, our belief, how we see the world, our stress. It's looking at um, neuro, meaning the brain and the nervous system. So our nervous system is coordinating sensory input all the time and it's transmitting. So it's, it's scanning our world, our external environment, what's happening outside of us, our internal environment, what's happening inside of us. It's swimming upstream to take a peek into the mind. What are the thoughts that we are thinking? What are the beliefs that we're holding? And it's transmitting all of that all of the time. It's sending signals all over the body to different parts of the body. It's a very, um, it's a communication system. And all of this is interplaying with the immune system. It is not separate from, we can't break up these little different pieces of the body and say, okay, you know, one thing is doing one thing, one thing is, you know, they're all communicating with each other all of the time. And so you have to understand that about the immune system. It is, taking cues and taking signals from other parts of the body. So we have to, without question, look to our environment, look to our lifestyle, look to our food to understand because food is information as well. Food is communicating things to us. Uh, so we have to look to all of these things to understand why our immune systems are kind of collectively freaking out. And this term, you've no doubt heard me refer to it before, is evolutionary mismatch, where our environment including our food, is changing faster than our immune system has been able to adapt. So the immune system is just like perpetually perplexed. It's like, what in fresh hell is this? What is this now? Right? So it's just constantly confused because our environment is changing so rapidly. So let's look at our food source. Over the past 75 years, chronic illnesses have risen across the board. So not just autoimmunity. We have cardiovascular disease, diabetes, metabolic syndrome, cancer, liver disease, brain disorders, depression, autism, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's. And we know that the Western diet plays a role in the development of these diseases. The same rise in illness has essentially been echoed in other countries after they adopted a Western diet. So we have to look to, to the diet to be like, what is going on here? Um, Emerin Mayer, he's a, a gastroenterologist and the author of The Gut Immune Connection. He says, industrial agriculture runs farms as factories with inputs such as pesticides, feed, fertilizer, and fuel, and outputs in the form of corn, soybeans, and meat. The primary objective of these corporations is to raise profit mar margins by rigorously decreasing production costs and increasing yields. While food has become cheaper and more abundant under the system, its quality has suffered, and the health of the public and the environment is the collateral damage. So we are overscheduled, 
busy bees. And because of that, we tend to prioritize convenience over our health. I talked about this last year, probably around this time, quite a lot. Uh, episode 175, our food, our immune system, and our kids, a town hall on health, where I kind of uh, called everyone in. I'm like, Hey, let's really start thinking about our food if we haven't done so yet, because our kids health and their lives sort of depend on it. Um, so you can check that one out, but three quarters of the groceries that we buy are, are considered processed three quarters with most of them classified as highly processed. They're so highly convenient that most of these groceries are ready to eat, 68%, or ready to heat. That's from Hooked, uh, a book by Michael Moss. So knowing this, knowing that the vast majority of the food that we're consuming is highly processed, we have to look to modern diet as one driver of autoimmunity. And the reason that modern food is such a problem, it really has the has everything to do with the way that we're processing food, um, adding chemicals, um, adding you know chemicals that are not in um, harmony with our health. Right? There's everything's. A I mean, water's a chemical. We can't say all chemicals are bad, but there are certain chemicals that are not congruent with human health, and we are adding them to our food. Food coloring, pesticides use, um, the the. All of the ways that we produce food to be more profitable and to be more convenient increases the antigenicity of food. And antigenicity is just kind of a fancy word of a fancy word to, to talk about immune reactivity. So we that's not a good thing. We don't want our food to be highly antigenic. That means that our immune system is reacting negatively to the food that we're eating, to the proteins in the food that we're eating. That is not a good thing because the more our immune system is kind of on guard with the food that we're eating, the more likely it is to dysregulate. The way that we're processing food can actually even change the, the protein structures of the food that we're eating. So if you think about, you know, turning gluten or wheat into goldfish, right? Like think about all of the steps, all the additives that need to happen in order for, for that quote unquote food to be made. It's essentially changing the protein configurations, which creates a more antigenic food and a more immune reactive food. So that's kind of an overview. I'm not going to drill into the, the specifics because I've, I've done that quite a lot. Um, like I said, episode 175, I talked about that episode 214. I get a lot into that food sensitivities um, talking about like why we're reacting to food, what happens on an immune level. And then episode 116, I talk about the problem with food dyes, um, specifically why you shouldn't buy Kellogg's new waffles. This is a couple of years ago, so they're no longer new, but I was just in a, I was in a real keyed up state seeing these foods being marketed to kiddos. Um, and that if you haven't listened to that episode and you're a parent or a caretaker, I definitely encourage you to do so because we want to get our kiddos off of food dyes for sure. And we're going to quickly interrupt this discussion to shout out one of our show sponsors. As a reminder, the support of our sponsors is what allows the Functional Nutrition Podcast to continue to pump out new content to you. So we always thank them. We hope that you support them too. 
Let's talk about our latest sponsor, Dry Farm Wines. This is truly a vision board partner. I've wanted to partner with them for a while now, as I've personally had a Dry Farm Wine subscription for years. Now, I'm certainly not suggesting wine is a health food, but joy certainly is. And personally, for me, there's just something about cooking a healthy meal with some music and my family and having a glass of wine. It's just, honestly, it's one of my favorite experiences. But unfortunately, I started to react really harshly to wine a few years back. I literally remember crying to a friend um, because I'm like, I just do so much for my health. I don't want to have to give up an occasional glass of wine, something that I really enjoy. Now we talk a lot on this show about processed foods, but what I actually did not know and didn't understand at the time is that wine can be extremely processed as well, which is why it can make you feel like trash, even when you're only drinking a glass or two. There are 76 additives that are legally approved for use in winemaking. So this include dyes, thickeners, and GMO yeast. And so many of my clients have yeast uh, allergies and yeast sensitivity. So it makes sense that wine makes us feel not so great. And the top 20 wines sold in the U.S., contain high levels of sugar. And we know that sugar can make us feel not so great. So I actually found out about Dry Farm Wines on a podcast a few years back, and I was stoked because they use, um, it's organically, biodynamically grown, it's sugar-free, low alcohol, and they source wines from small family growers, all of whom make their wine by hand. And supporting these family vineyards really helps to preserve the healthy soil, the biodiversity, and support natural farming practices. So if you're like me and you want to have some wine without feeling horrible, check out Dry Farm Wines for Functional Nutrition Podcast listeners. They are offering an extra bottle in your first box for a penny. They can't give it away for free because it's alcohol. So make sure you head to dryfarmwines.com forward slash Funk to sign up for your first box. You get free shipping delivered straight to your door, and I hope you enjoy. With the state of the world over the past couple of years, so many of my clients and listeners have told me that their sleep has really been impacted. So I feel I'd be doing you a massive disservice if I didn't introduce you to our sponsor, Ned, because they have a solution for you. Ned's full spectrum hemp oil is extracted from USDA certified organic hemp plants. It's grown by an independent farmer and his family in Colorado. Now, Ned's co-founder and I sat down and had a really lovely conversation about sourcing and farming practices and how they chose their farm. And this company is the real deal. I've been using these products for a while now with incredible results. So Ned's best selling sleep blend offers a natural solution for a good night's sleep. It contains CBN, which is a powerful cannabinoid that promotes sleep. It has 750 milligrams of CBD. And it also has uh, organic and wildcrafted botanicals. You all know that I love Nervine herbs. So it has oat straw, lemon balm, passion flower, skull cap. These are herbs that help to relax the body and promote sleep. If you need help unwinding at night, I highly recommend purchasing the Dream Set because it also contains Mellow, which is their awesome magnesium blend that features GABA and L-theanine. This is a non-negotiable in my nighttime routine lately. If you'd like to conquer sleep with Ned's Dream Set, Functional Nutrition Podcast listeners get 15% off with code FUNK. 
Go to helloned.com forward slash funk or enter code funk at checkout. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash F-U-N-K to get 15% off. Thank you, Ned, for sponsoring the show and offering our listeners a natural remedy for some of life's most common health issues. All right, back to the show. We also have to look to glyphosate. So there is a rampant use of glyphosate in our food system, and it cannot be overlooked when we're having the discussion about health and autoimmunity in particular. So glyphosate is the herbicide in Roundup. So you've no doubt heard about it before. And back in 1996, twas a good year for hip hop, not so great for our food system. There was these Roundup ready uh, crops that were, that kind of came on the market and got the green light. So these are genetically engineered crops that are glyphosate tolerant. So basically they could be liberally just hosed down with glyphosate. We could just spray them with Roundup. Everything else around it dies, but these plants were able to thrive. And around the same time, Incidentally, we also saw an explosion of illnesses. So there was a rise in Alzheimer's and dementia, a rise in Parkinson's, children with autism. And then this is really when the autoimmune disease epidemic started, was like towards the late 90s. So, you know, there may be a link there. And I want to unpack the reason why this still is quite controversial because there's a crap ton of money to be made in this. So um, this is not always easy to find on the Google. You sometimes have to do a little bit of digging, uh, but I just want to explain what's happening on a physiological level when we're consuming glyphosate. Uh, It's not good. So, you know, just a heads up, but uh, glyphosate actually messes up the soil microbiome. So our soil has a microbiome and, uh, that microbiome, the soil really creates the nutrients in our food. And so if the, the microbiome of the soil is messed up, nutrients aren't being taken up by the plant. And then when we eat these plants, we're not getting the nutrients that really should be there. So we can become nutrient deficient because the foods that we're eating are nutrient depleted. A big one is sulfur. So sulfur doesn't get taken up by the plants. Sulfur is really crucial for hepatic biotransformation. There's so many different processes in the body that require sulfation and require sulfur. One of them is hepatic biotransformation, which is just a fancy way of saying liver detoxification. Sulfur is also crucial for the immune system. So if we are sulfur deficient, then there's going to be more dysregulation with the immune system. But the thing is, it's not glyphosate isn't just affecting the soil. Glyphosate actually gets into the food itself. It's not just sprayed on crops. It's actually absorbed by the plants. So we can find glyphosate residues in food. And this doesn't just go away when you wash them. Um, I think it's cute when people wash their fruits and veggies, um, way to be, but you're not removing any of the glyphosate. Uh, we also can't cook them away. Once we consume glyphosate through the food, what can happen is that it can chelate minerals, which means that it binds up minerals that 
we won't be able to then absorb. So we can end up mineral deficient. That is pretty common in our modern day. And then just like glyphosate disrupts the soil microbiome, it can also disrupt our gut microbiome. And bifidobacteria seems to take an exceptionally hard hit. I've talked about bifidobacteria a lot um, here on the Functional Nutrition Podcast. I love me some bifido. Uh, Bifido is one of the ways that we produce short-chain fatty acids like butyrate, for example, are critical for the health of our colon. They are fuel for colon cells. Uh, They also help to lower inflammation. They do a lot of other things important for immune health, for metabolic function. Um, And then it also kind of just shifts the entire environment of the colon, um, creating a more uh, basic environment. I always laugh when people talk about like an alkaline diet, gotta be alkaline, gotta be alkaline. I'm like, you know that the body's actually supposed to be, like the colon's actually supposed to be acidic, right? Um, Anyway, on top of that, so we've got, we see some changes within the microbiome itself. And then on top of that, glyphosate actually induces the release of zonulin, that, that protein that opens up our tight junctions in our gut. It opens up the, the gut barrier. So that really induces a leaky gut, um, which we know once the gut becomes leaky, we're going to be more likely to end up with autoimmunity. So it's not great for the gut and it's also not great for the liver and for detoxification either. So all of this combined really sets the stage for autoimmunity in other diseases as well. And it's quite unfortunate because glyphosate is used a lot in our food system. So one of the best ways to attempt to avoid glyphosate, it's its pretty challenging to do in modern day, um, but to just make sure that you are buying organic produce as much and as often as you can. Um, so we're going to talk about the microbiome since I just kind of, you know, teed us up for that. Our immune system is absolutely dependent upon the health of the microbiome. Like I said, at the start of the show, you can't really tease the two apart. So the gut microbiome kind of collectively refers to all the bacteria, all the fungus, the viruses, all the stuff living inside of our gut, or specifically, more specifically our colon. Without them, without those critters, without those guys, we don't have a functioning immune system. So the, the, the bacteria, the beneficial species help to train and regulate our immune system. They control certain cells of the immune system. They prevent autoimmunity. They prevent us, um, you know, if we have diverse, robust, beneficial species, it really keeps other pathogens out. It keeps them at bay. It helps to regulate the body's inflammatory pathways. And we know with autoimmunity, there's this unchecked inflammation. The microbiome actually acts as a physical barrier against potential invaders, those harmful pathogenic bacteria, viruses, parasites, whatnot. It also helps to detoxify um, things from our body. And produces their own enzymes and vitamins and neurotransmitters. And like I was talking about those short chain fatty acids and all of these things help to modulate the immune system. So uh, a healthy microbiome is part and parcel with, (laughs) uh, with a healthy immune system. I always 
throw out these phrases and I'm like, I have no idea if I'm even using those, those correctly. So once again, we are living in an evolutionary mismatch. So if we're like, why is the immune system freaking out? We have to look to the environment in which we're living. Humans as a species have co-evolved with the microbial world over millions of years. And we now are pretty far removed from that. We spend so much time indoors. We spend so much time in sterile environments. We are obsessed with sterilizing things, even more so after COVID, right? We clean everything with bleach. We dose our bodies with antibiotics starting at a very young age. We can look to birth in this culture. I'm saying all of this, not as judgment with zero morality here, but when we have to, when we are trying to figure out how did we get here, we have to look to the facts. C-section, uh, mother's stress, uh, whether or not a baby is breastfed or formula fed, all of these things can really contribute to big microbiome shifts and then also immune shifts. Um, as we talked about, we eat food that not, no longer really resembles actual food. And on top of that, we just heard from Dr. Deanna Minnick a few weeks ago talking about diversity and why diversity is so important. Diversity feeds our microbiome. So if we are eating kind of the same foods, you know, like toast with peanut butter and cereal and you know, pasta and just like kind of like the same things over and over and over again. Um, that is not feeding our microbiome. That is not creating a rich, robust, diverse microbiome. And that's going to impact our immune system. Two really great episodes to tuck into if you want to learn more about specifically how to feed your microbiome. Now, uh, episode 129, how to eat for true gut health. And then episode 147, inflammation and what you're not eating. Both of those really uncover in great detail, like how to eat to support your microbiome and then therefore your immune system. But essentially, we have strayed very far from the stimulus that our genes expect. And that is leading to chronic illness, that is leading to immune system dysfunction, and that is leading to overall inf high inflammatory loads for our body. Our microbiomes are essentially reflective of what's going on in the outside world. So we're losing species on the actual planet, but we're also losing species within our guts. The less diverse, the less abundant we get, the sicker we get, the less our immune system can defend itself, and the more dysregulated our immune system will become. And we know that poor gut health is an endemic. 70% of Americans have some kind of GI symptom or disease, whether that's acid reflux, indigestion, diarrhea, constipation, you know, issues with stool, all of that can be indicative of GI dysregulation and immune dysregulation as well. And then the final thing that I want to talk about is environmental chemicals because they can trigger and turn on autoimmunity as well. Uh, toxic chemical exposure can cause immune dysregulation and autoimmune reactivity. And so we have to look to things like persistent or, uh, organic pollutants or POPs which show up in our food, our water, air, soil, uh, toxic solvents that we can find in paints and glues and cleaning supplies, 
uh, paint strippers, heavy metals. Those also show up in food, water, air, in dental amalgams, in cosmetics, um, endocrine disruptors. That's what I was talking about with uh, fragrance, but a, um, a lot of our pl- uh, plastic products are endocrine disruptors, flame retardants, um, herbicides, pesticides. So these chemicals are, or these toxic uh, toxic chemicals are pretty omnipresent. And this is where I think things start to get really overwhelming. This is when like the wheels can come off the train in terms of our anxiety, I think, because we're like, it's everywhere. There's nothing I can do about it. Why even bother? I'm going to put my head in the sand and just ignore this. But I will refer you back to episode 185, where I interviewed Laura Adler. And she talked about practical strategies to reduce chemical exposure. And I think the way she presents information and is in a very like practical, empowering way. Like these are the things that I can do every day and I'm not going to get bogged down with the stuff that I can't do. So definitely listen to that. But um, I'll link up a paper that shows exposure to environmental toxins and autoimmune conditions. But essentially the increase in autoimmune disease prevalence correlates with environmental toxic load exposure. Toxic chemicals can induce epigenetic expressions, meaning that if if the genes are there, toxic chemicals can be the thing to turn on the gene expression. And there's a lot of different mechanisms that this can happen. Um, Chemicals can bind to immune and endocrine receptors throughout the body, can promote immune regulation. It can bind to nucleic acid Uh, nucleic acids and promote anti-nuclear autoimmunity. So remember we were talking about um, either organ specific or systemic autoimmunity. And I said that you, there is um, some people make antibodies against their own DNA. This chemicals uh, exposure to toxic chemicals is one of the ways that that gets turned on. Uh, Our constant exposure to toxins can deplete antioxidant reserves. So we just need a lot of antioxidants to help the liver clear these things from our body. Uh, That can promote immune barrier degradation, um, induce lymphocyte dysregulation, uh, T-cell dysregulation. So basically the immune messenger cells can get all kind of scrambled up. Uh, Can also alter normal antigen presenting responses. So this is kind of um, a head nod to some of the stuff that we talked about when we were talking about different aspects of the immune system and what we're measuring when we're testing for autoimmunity. Pretty much they can all get messed up through ongoing exposure to these toxic chemicals. Uh, Chemicals can bind up to our own tissue proteins. So that's another thing. So once this happened, the, the tissue now appears as a foreign antigen to the immune system. So if you if we have a chemical that's binding to our own proteins, the immune system is not going to recognize it and flag it and tag it as self-tissue. It's going to be like, oh gosh, this is weird. We got to get this out of here. So the immune system starts to create antibodies against your own tissue. Um, so if you step back and think about the world that we're living in and thinking about normalization of all these toxic chemicals, including fragrance. Uh, I just really don't like it. You guys, I just really don't like it. Um, normalizations of these changes to our food system, 
normalizing a highly processed diet. I mean, if you look at what the average person is eating on a day-to-day basis, it is highly processed. We've just been like, well, this is the norm. This is what everybody else is doing. This is just how it goes, right? Uh, Like this is all kind of status quo. So all of these things collectively have created an environment where it feels more challenging to maintain health. It really does. Uh, Unfortunately, we've been sort of groomed to believe that all we need is a quick and dirty, magic bullet, easy fix. But when it comes to the immune system, that, that isn't how it works. And none of those actually exist. Like there really is no magic bullet for health. So in modern day, it kind of does take some effort and practice and maybe even a little bit of tenacity to achieve or maintain health. So it makes sense that if you're just kind of living your life, not paying attention to these things, that the immune system does have potential to dysregulate. But the good news here, the very good news, is that autoimmunity responds really well to diet, to lifestyle, and to mindset. In fact, people can stay in stage one or stage two for years and never get to a diagnosed disease state. So we'll tie all of this up. We're going to start to get into using functional labs and more specific lab testing to help you uncover your unique root causes. Um, But what I would say is that if you suspect autoimmunity or you're still in that like struggling to get a diagnosis stage or you've been diagnosed with an autoimmune condition, this is the time to really focus on eating well on supporting your gut, on reducing exposure to environmental toxins, to potentially even um, supporting hepatic biotransformation, supporting detoxification, for sure reducing your stress, for sure working on mindset, addressing some repressed emotion. I know we didn't get into that too much in today's episode, but that's to come. And so this is the work that we do here at The Functional Nutritionist in all of our programs, in our one-to-one work. So if you are struggling, definitely reach out. Uh, check out the website, link it up in the show notes. There's a lot of different programs at a lot of different price points to meet people where they're at, meet people based on your needs. Um, But I want you to know that it's not hopeless. I want you to know that even though some of this stuff can be overwhelming and scary, there are absolutely paths toward healing. So with that, I will leave you and I will check you next week. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast. If you got something from today's show, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Take care of you.